1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: This is the Court Today replay on C103. Welcome you
3: along to Monday's morning's edition of the programme. We've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And can I start the programme by just remembering some people who sadly passed away at the weekend and certainly are worthy of a mention and the first is one of our own. I was so saddened to hear the news of the passing of Donica O'Dooling, who died at the age of uh, Eighty-eight, and he has left so many Irish people with a host of radio memories. Not just uh, not Irish people living here in Ireland, but also exiles abroad. I mean, he was almost a cult following uh, for people living across the waters uh, in uh, the UK. He was dubbed the grandfather of RTE uh, radio, and of course, Donnchadh O'Dooling When I say he was one of our own, he was. He was a native of Doneraile in North Cork. And he always dubbed Donnerale, dear and decent Donnerale. He started out life working as a dental technician in Charleville. And he was doing that while he was trying to get a foothold into broadcasting. And luckily for us and for everybody, he did manage to get that foothold into broadcasting. He was married to Vera Kylie, who was a primary school teacher from Charleville. And they were married... For more than sixty years, and it was only when Donica died at the weekend that I heard his wife' Vera, had only passed away the week before she died the previous Sunday, so they are united once again, and he raised so much money for charity o- over the years i mean it was it's a thing I certainly would have interviewed Donica over the years a couple of times on some fundraising walk that he would be on, and if the fundraising walk in any way incorporated a time in Cork. I would inevitably have him on at the programme. And he was always such a joy to uh, talk to. and um, Of course, he loved to reflect and talk about the fact that he was a Donnerail native. So he will be fondly, fondly remembered by so many. The late Danica O'Dooling, Erjeshde Gorev Ananam. And then another very sad death at the weekend was announced yesterday. And this is the former Girls Allowed star, Sarah Harding. She lost her battle for cancer yesterday. She was just 39, and celebrity and friends and all of the papers today are full of celebrities and friends paying tribute to the singer after her mother announced the death yesterday. Now Sarah had revealed in August of last year that she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and when she made the announcement it had already spread. By the time it was diagnosed it had already spread to other parts of her body. So it was her mother Marie yesterday took to Instagram to announce her uh, death and she described her daughter as a bright shining star and that's exactly what she was, and as I say, all of these celebrities out in force today, paying gorgeous tributes to Sarah Harding. She just came across looking at all of the tributes as just such a nice, nice young uh, woman. Louis Walsh, of course, who would have been a judge. On the programme, Guards Aloud was formed because of the ITV show Pop Stars, The Rivals. Remember that in 2002. And of course, it was great news for our own Irish lass, Nadine Coyle, who had just previously got kicked out of an Irish competition because, remember, she'd lied about her age. And that allowed her then the opportunity to enter into this new competition in 2002. And Louis Walsh was one of the judges that selected Sarah Harding to be a part of what was a very, very successful pop group, Girls Aloud. Louis Walsh said, it's just sad. She's gone too young. She was always fun. She was the life and soul of the party. He said, it's just so unfair. He said, I was hoping that she was getting better. She was fun. She loved music. She loved dancing and she loved life. And he said, I'll remember her with great uh, sadness. That is uh, Sarah Harding. And actually I saw over here in Ireland that the Director of Nursing with the Marie Keating Foundation Helen Forrestal has come out very strongly urging women to be aware of their bodies and to know what is normal for them and what is not and she said important to identify any changes in relation to appearance in your breast in the hope that you if you were unlucky enough to get breast cancer that it would be diagnosed uh, in uh, time and obviously she's come out following the death of uh, Sarah Harding because Sarah Harding who released her memoir earlier this year when it was talked about her cancer diagnosis. She was late with the diagnosis because she had discovered a lump under her arm but she was fearful of going to the doctor's because of COVID this was all happening last year in 2020 so she delayed going and she didn't go until many months after the lump was discovered and of course by the time the lump was discovered she had you know was fooling herself into thinking that's only a cyst that'll go away it'll be fine and of course the lump didn't go away and then when she got the diagnosis uh, she uh, eventually had I think she was at stage 4 when she got her diagnosis but it had already spread to other parts of her body but she put up such a brave uh, fight that's the late Sarah Harding may she rest in peace. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 and making the papers today and there was a lot of talk about this over the weekend and this is Leo Varadkar and his trip to the UK to attend a music festival called the Mighty Hoopla that's a music festival that's held in London. It seems to be on for the last number of years anyway I don't know when he actually purchased his tickets but he went off to the Mighty Hoopla and somebody photographed him. There was some Somebody there spotted him, sitting down looked he 's taking a phone call he 's sitting down on his own, taking a phone a phone call, sunglasses on, and somebody snapped a photograph of him and of course social media within minutes it was being tweeted about and it was on Instagram and it was on facebook and uh, the words of his mother were having an opinion on Leo Radkir t- attending this live music event, this festival in uh, L- L- London. But what's been picked up on today by the Irish Independent is that the Thornish of the Year of Radcar told the live events industry only last Thursday that the UK's opening is definitely not an example to follow. Now, he must have known when he was making those statements that he was about to jump on a plane and head to London to attend the uh, festival. He revealed that he had warned the meeting that the high numbers of COVID deaths and COVID hospitalizations in England and Scotland meant that they shouldn't be going ahead with all of these uh, live events and that meeting was between Mihol Martin was there, the Taoiseach, the Culture Minister Catherine Martin was there and it was members of the live events uh, sector. Leo Varadkar said he definitely didn't think that Britain was an example to follow. He told the meeting that the country was the most open, i.e. England, in Europe and but because of that they had highest instance of the virus and then he got photographed attending the mighty Hoopla Festival in uh, London. Now, people attending that festival and I checked this out because when I saw this go up on the weekend I said there's going to be a bit of flack over this so I looked into the mighty hoopla to see who could attend and what way was it being organised they were doing everything they possibly could to make sure that those attending did not have Covid you either had to be fully vaccinated you had to have proof of your vaccination and they said for anybody travelling from Europe including people including Leo going over from Ireland their EU Covid passport he would have had to have presented that people who weren't fully vaccinated had to get antigen uh, testing so they were making Sure that everybody that was attending, they were doing their best to make sure that nobody was going to bring COVID in. But the the music industry in this country are absolutely fuming over it they they were described as being very frustrated very disappointed I saw somebody use the word angry over the weekend it was noted that Leo Varadkar attended the festival on the first weekend in September first weekend in September normally in Ireland is Electric Picnic and of course we know Electric Picnic didn't take place last year there was hopes Electric Picnic would take place this year but of course we were talking about that across la- only last week that Electric Picnic wasn't going ahead. And that's where I feel it was almost rubbing salt in the wound to see him at an event when Electric Picnic should have been on in this country. Some within the industry also compared the Taoiseach attending that the Thornishta attending that festival uh, in London and the Taoiseach Michal Martin, remember when he was at the All Island Hurling final in Crow Park, they're likening the two together. Now a spokesperson for the Thornishta said that Leo Varadkar wa- was in the UK on a private visit and he was there ahead of a trade mission which opens in London today and then it moves on to Paris tomorrow and Berlin later on in the week. Like everyone, ministers are advised to observe local laws and the restrictions apply to the country they are in. And of course he was in the UK and you were allowed to attend music festivals in the UK. The spokesperson added that the Tornishta was one of the strongest supporters of the events industry in government and he had supported Electric Picnic going ahead and other cultural and other music events being allowed to go ahead and it's also understood that Leo Varadko travelled to the UK on a commercial flight. He paid for it himself and he also paid for his own accommodation and his own expenses across the weekend. Obviously he's on government business uh, from today but all of the expenses over the weekend he covered himself because there was a big hoo-ha because the government jet was in London over the weekend and of course people put two and two together and came up with ten instead of four and people assumed that Leo Varadkar had taken the government, the Lear jet, in order to fly him to the music festival. He hadn't. When I looked into it yesterday, it seems the government jet left Ireland on Saturday evening and it was a medical case. There was some child needed urgent medical attention and needed to go to the UK. Seemed to be some hospital in London the child was being airlifted to. And the government jet is often used for those medical emergencies. It had been a late flight. The government jet doesn't normally fly at night only in case of emergency like this. So the decision was taken to drop the child off, land the plane in one of the army bases outside around London and then fly back on Sunday morning so it got picked up then on a lot of the the people who do plane spotting and of course they picked up the government jet coming in on, on one of those radars and of course people put that up on Twitter and said oh it must be the override because it came back in about 20 past 12 on Sunday morning it wasn't, it came back empty they dropped the child off on Saturday night, waited and came back so everyone was assuming that he took the government jet but he didn't and then there's the whole debate and argument around here is a man okay he's tarnished of this country, everybody accepts, people in government work very hard and I wouldn't have their job for all the tea in China Uh, but that's another story and he's entitled to a day off. He's entitled to have some downtime, particularly in the summer months, the summer, it's, we're coming to the end of the summer holidays. And he's entitled to take a day off, a weekend off and go away and enjoy himself. We know, based on his commentary before an Electric Picnic, he was trying to push really hard in the last number of weeks and months for Electric Picnic to go ahead. He likes to attend music festivals. Uh, he's, you know, that's part of what he enjoys uh, doing. So he's entitled to go off and, in, and enjoy a festival like this if that's something that he wants uh, to do and people see it that way and I already see uh, somebody this morning sent in a text saying something similar saying tell people Patricia to get a life and find something else to do except digging into people's private lives. I hope Leo enjoyed the concert. It wasn't his fault the electric picnic was cancelled. It wasn't his decision. At least the photo showed he wasn't surrounded by huge crowds of people. He wasn't doing any harm. Since the pandemic I think people have started to turn into scrooges and people seem to be very angry see I'm wondering as well was there a little bit of jealousy around uh, all of this because when I saw the photograph I was thinking it looked like a lovely summer's day or an in London, and at a concert, and I looked at the lineup and the line-up looked great and I thought, "Oh God wouldn't I love to be at it wouldn't I really enjoy a day out like that so I'm wondering was there a bit of jealousy attached to it as well and then, when I was reading some of the social media commentary, you could see as well it was opposition parties just having a dig, just getting the the, the dig in but then you did genuinely have people from within the music industry who have not worked for 18 months now since March of last year and they're still waiting to come out. I know part of the country is reopening again today but those within that music industry still waiting to get fully back on track so you could understand their frustration and their anger. So I think it was the former Fine Gael uh, TD uh, Kate O'Connell she was the one who coined the phrase that it was completely tone deaf that you know for Leo to do this if he if he had really stopped and thought about it if I get photographed at this what are the optics going to look like there will be some people who will say like our listener they're saying it's his private life it's Saturday he wants to take his Saturday off and he has the money to go fly you know get a couple of Ryanair, Lingus flights to London. Off he goes. Buys his ticket. Goes away. Enjoys it. Maybe has a few pints. I don't know if he was drinking at it or not. And he's going to enjoy a day out. It's Saturday. He, you know, it wasn't that he missed important meeting in order to go to this festival he's entitled to go. So there are some people will see it like that but then there are others will see it and say if he'd stopped and thought about it, the fact that Electric Picnic I think maybe that was the one I think that just kind of grinded and really got on people's nerves. The fact that Electric Picnic was due to be on. We can't have a festival and yet our Thornister is attending a big festival over in uh, London. Mike in this Morning Patricia, this is on the late Donica Dooling. Said I first remember seeing Donica at the Writers Weekend in Donnerell, also seeing him on the highways and the byways, on the TV and all the charity work that Donica did. He was a great man and a Donnerell man, says Mike. Yeah, and very proud to have come from uh, Donnerell. Now, some of your thoughts on Leo Varadkar attending this festival in uh, London. Uh, I feel Leo Varadkar is giving the whole country two fingers. I think he should be sacked. Uh, says this uh, listener. That's a bit extreme. Um someone else says, Patricia, good heavens. Have we nothing else to do but whine when somebody what about what somebody else does, especially the opposition parties. Leo deserves a bit of da- downtime after all the mess and the hard work of recent months. Can the man not have a day off and do something he enjoys to do? Go to a music festival, get a life, love the show. That's on Die in Cork. Thank you for that. Die. Amanda in Glanmar. I feel we would all loved to have gone to that festival but at the moment I've just made the choice not to travel abor- abroad as I feel Ireland here we're very safe in dealing with Covid but I'm not too happy about how other countries are doing it others seem more relaxed so while I could go I don't want to go I would be fearful that I would bring something back with me and maybe pass it on to my parents or other vulnerable people it's the optics here Leo that are all wrong John in the city said stupid thing to do yes go to the trade mission that is on today but not to a music concert and Marion in Mar- Mallow says, while they are telling us all to be extremely careful, Leo heads off to a music festival. Yes, he did nothing wrong, but many of us are being extremely careful. So please lead by example. The UK, we all know, even the Ovaradkar has admitted, are very relaxed with their COVID restrictions. We don't need anyone to bring back Anything to this, country? I know many are vaccinated, but he is still a leader. A leader is meant to lead. There will be plenty of time for concerts next year, says Marion in Malo. Okay, that's some of your thoughts coming in. Thank you for that. To eighteen fifty three 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 one o three, and with restrictions being lifted today, and we will get to those later on. And what's been lifted today? Bingo from what I can gather is back. Any bingo events going on uh, tonight? Hi Trish, when will we be able to visit our loved ones in hospital? Uh, Thanking you. Hospitals are an interesting one because all hospitals are individual. They seem to make their own decisions around visiting and that's always the way it's been. For example, if a hospital, how often have we been announcing that a certain hospital is closed to visitors because maybe they got the winter vomiting bug or whatever it was or some virus had broken out and then they were they were limiting all visitors uh, you know except in in end of life for example so i imagine that that's the way individual hospitals will keep going even now with things being lifted I mean you would assume when the date comes on what is it the 22nd of October when all of the rest of the restrictions are lifted bar mask wearing it's looking like from the 22nd of October you would assume then that everybody would be able to go visit loved ones in hospital but what I would say to you is you're going to need to check in with your hospital we've seen that with the maternity restrictions around the maternity hospitals and we know there was a big push to lift a lot of those restrictions and the hospitals were told to lift the restrictions but then individual individual maternity hospitals all over the country all did their own thing and I'm assuming it's going to be the same with all of the general hospitals so if you've a loved one in hospital that you want to visit pick up the phone and ring the hospital and see what procedures they're putting in place for hospital visitors. 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court
2: today on C103
0: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk CMIG.
3: Thousands of householders face a hike of more than €30 a month in their energy bills after a power company announced its third price increase this year. With words of advice on how to save money on our energy bills, I'm joined by Dara Cassidy of the Price Comparison website Bonkers.ie. Good morning to you, Dara. Good morning, Patricia. Now, this is Iberdrola, who have announced their latest price increases in both electricity and gas. How does the company justify hikes of 18%?
4: It's a huge increase and e isn't the only supplier raising prices at the moment. In fact, slow gas has raised prices three times and the Power has raised prices four times so far this year. And PNG has um, raised prices several times as well. So it's absolutely unprecedented. So all suppliers are raising prices, which is quickly there's three main reasons why these prices, um, prices are going up by so much. Um, the first one is that the price of gas and coal and oil and has just shot up on international markets over the past few months and we still rely on those fossil fuels for a lot of our energy needs. So I know we think about it and we talk about renewable energy a lot, Patricia, but still around, you know, maybe 50, 60% of our electricity gets generated from gas and coal and oil. Um, so when the price of those goes up, the price for electricity and gas bills goes up as well. Uh, the second reason is it hasn't been that windy over the past um, a few months, and then when the wind turbines aren't blowing, then we need to rely more on the gas and the, the the coal. And then we've also had two power plants out of action, so one at Whitegate in Cork and Hunchtown in Dublin, and they usually supply around fifteen percent or slightly more of our electricity needs. So um, that's put pressure on prices as well. So it's been a mix of things all happening. at together at the same time it's putting huge upward pressure on prices And
3: why, why are those two power plants out
4: of action? Yeah, it's a good question. So it's for maintenance reasons, cleaning reasons. It's not unheard of for power plants to go down from action from time to time to be cleaned and to be checked. Um, however, these two plants have been down for longer than action or for longer than usual, um, partly due to COVID and then for other reasons as well. But, um, you know, I, I questions could be asked as to how that's been allowed to happen at the same time that, you know, we're seeing increased demand um, on, on the network due to down centres and a lack of wind output and it's hoped they'll come back on stream within the next few weeks which should hopefully stabilise prices a lot but they've really helped contribute to to electricity prices in in, in particular uh, skyrocketing over the past few months.
3: Do we need to look at wind power again if we're going to find ourselves in this situation that we only have power when it's windy?
4: Yeah, it, it's a fair question. I mean, I always say to people, uh, renewable energy is great for the environment. It's not necessarily all you know, always great for the pockets. And um, renewable energy, wind energy, isn't free, and money, it costs money. There's a lot of investment that's needed, and, and you know. W- A lot of that that cost is actually going to be passed on to consumers. So I think people are probably being a little bit naive, particularly gas and electricity customers, if they think that you know renewable energy is going to lead to lots of lower prices in the immediate future. Maybe even maybe in fifteen or twenty years' time. Uh, but you're right. I mean, what happens when the wind doesn't blow? And in Ireland, a lot of our renewable energy is obviously wind, and it's onshore so it's land winds. And what happens when the sun is shining, um, as it did in June and July? And um, it, it tends not to be windy, particularly mm. on land. Sometimes there can be a sea breeze, but we don't have any. Uh, well, we don't have enough uh, wind farms out by the sea. Uh, so we would probably start investing in a lot more in solar energy as well so that when one isn't, you know, working, the other is. Uh, but we'll always, Patricia, need, well, certainly for the next, you know, decade, two decades, maybe three decades, some fossil fuel uh, power plant to, you know, back up our, our supply and our grid for times when the sun doesn't shine or, or, or the wind doesn't blow.
3: And then when fossil fuel goes up, the knock-on is we're all going to be paying more for our gas and electricity.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, the gas has really skyrocketed. You know, in fairness to to the suppliers, and they have really had to, to you know, sustain and, and absorb some really, really significant price increases. Uh, as we've seen, COVID uh, or you know, the world economy slowly open back up as a result of COVID. There's been a lot of bottlenecks in a lot of markets, not just the energy market, but we've seen it in the building sector. So you've probably read, for you know, um, the cost of materials and wood mm. and concrete, yeah. and everything is beginning to skyrocket. The cost of microchips for computers and laptops is beginning to skyrocket, and that's kind of just because you know a lot of factories, a lot of a lot of plants, a lot of um, you know producers, they were closed for a lot of weeks, or they were you know running at kind of you know only half mass for for a lot of weeks as a result of COVID, and now that the world economy is opened back up and consumers are back out spending, it's just causing a lot of pressure on supply chains, and the energy market is no different.
3: And then, you know, we've been hearing for a number of weeks and actually I see it in the paper again today that, you know, the national grid operator telling the government of growing concerns about power supplies and they're talking about uh, air grid warning of rolling blackouts. Mm. I mean, is, is, is that going to happen, do you think?
4: I think if we get the two power plants back on stream, we should be okay. I would say, though, that the risk of blackouts is probably higher than it's ever been. It's coming off a very, very, very low base, so I don't want to alarm listeners. And it has to be said that the Irish Electricity Network and the grid is very well managed and works extremely well in an international context. Um, you will see sometimes even in America they will have grids that go out of action. Now, sometimes it might be due to natural disasters, but but still it, it does happen. So in, in a country as big and as, as pop, you know, as, as um, wealthy as, as America, you know they struggle sometimes. So we, I have to say, you know, in Ireland things have been very, very, very well managed, but there is a risk there. I think this winter and greater than it has been, and, and we really need to get those power plants at Whitegate and,
3: back up and, and running.
4: Back up and running. But at the point, of course, that there's a lot of demands now on the grid from data. To And it's reported that uh, within the next maybe five, six, seven years, around thirty percent of our entire electricity demand will come from data centres. It's absolutely huge, and that's going to put a huge amount of pressure on the grid as well. But then, at the same time, as you've been saying, we're trying to up our level of renewable output. But a lot of that is wind. What happens when the wind turbines aren't running? You know, so it's a lot of questions I think that need to be asked, and it, it needs to be carefully managed over the coming decade to make sure that that transition to renewable energy, whilst we're still you know, connecting all these data centres, doesn't need to, to blackout or power shortages.
3: And just on renewable energy, actually, something I was thinking of, it's it literally just come in in a text. Uh, Joe and I, you've taken the words out of my mouth. We live on an island surrounded by water. As long as there is a moon, we'll always have waves. Surely our sea is the perfect electricity supply.
4: The technology isn't quite there yet. Um, so that's probably moving into, into hydro energy. Some countries do that, but, but from the sea, the technology isn't quite there yet. Um, so I, I, I guess that's to my think when I just put some turbines out in the middle of the sea. Um, but, but for now, it, it's mainly wind that we're using. Um, I think that in the shorter term, what we need to do is need a few more offshore wind farms. Because um, as you know, there's often a gale blowing at sea when there isn't on land, mm. and we need to invest more in, in in solar. Now, some listeners might be saying solar; it's Ireland, <laughs> you know, are, are we leaving the blog? <laughs> but, but actually, from April to September, in particular, with the new technology, it does not even need to be sunny for solar energy to work. And um, just the, the light in the sky will often be more than enough. And um, so that's something that we need to do. And we just need to look at ways as well to be able to store renewable energy more. Um, you know, at the moment we have a grid where the energy almost has to be used as soon as it's being made. You know, as soon as the wind turbines are blowing, that energy often can't be stored, um, and a lot of actual wind energy often ends up going to waste. Uh, but then we're short maybe a few days later. You know, so trying to balance that out, being able to have um, battery storage systems that can store it all it, it is, I think, the next big task.
3: Okay, so while we're hearing that electricity and gas prices is, is going up, you're always the man to help us uh, save money. Firstly, how many energy suppliers do we currently have in, in
4: Ireland? We have 14, believe well, it or not. Yes, yeah, so it's a huge number. And if you think, thinking you know, the number of blenders that we have or the number of new supermarkets such as communications companies, and they all pale in comparison. So 14 suppliers, so there's never been a more choice.
3: Okay, and there are good discounts for new customers.
4: Yeah, so people might often say, like, listen, what's the point in switching if everybody's raising prices at the same time. As I always say the suppliers, like sometimes, you know, the broadband providers, they offer great discounts, really, really big discounts for one year to people who switch. So even if you know SSC or electricity is putting up prices or electric iron or flow gas or whoever if you move to them, they'll give you anywhere from a tertiary to maybe a 40 percent discount on your gas and electricity for an entire year, which, based on average usage, Patricia would probably save you around maybe five hundred euro a year, which would more than offset the price increases that we've seen. So, you know, switching energy supplier is really, really uh, the quickest, easiest, and simplest way for people to, um, you know, to, to to beat these price increases. And then the second thing for people to do is to just look at simple ways around the home to lo- to use less energy. So, you know, a lot of us are still working from home. So just, you know, don't overfill the kettle. Use LED, um, you know, low energy light bulbs. Um, you know, um, plug appliance, appliances as much as possible late at night. All those things can help you reduce energy consumption in the home as well.
3: And as your mammy always told you, switch off the immersion. <laughs> uh, and
4: uh, absolutely, yeah.
3: Uh, and the process of switching. This is the one thing you'll hear from. Oh, God, that's too hard. I'll never be able to do that. It is probably one of the most simplest ones. Electricity, I you know. But gas but I, we, I switched to electricity a couple of years ago I couldn't believe how easy the process is
4: You're right I mean you can all be done online and the reason is that it's just a one network and so there's lots of different suppliers but they're only suppliers so you know, you're not putting in any new pipes you're not getting any new uh, wires installed it's just your supplier that's changing and it, it's so quick it's so simple it's so easy if it were you know, your mortgage, Patricia, I might say, well, like, listen, there's going to be a little bit of effort involved, and mm. here's what you need to do. But as you, as you know from having done it yourself, when it comes to gas and electricity, it literally takes minutes. You just need a few items which you can find on a recent bill. So if you're switching electricity, just have your MPRN number to hand.
3: Which, which is on your downside. bill.
4: Yeah, which is on your bill that yeah. helps identify your property at uh, your GPRN number for your gas, a recent meter reading, and then just some personal details, such as, you know, your name, a phone number, your, your actual address and some banking details. And literally away you go. The process itself probably takes about maybe five, six minutes online. And then the actual switch gets completed within usually about a week. And then your new supply will write out you. And then you've savings, like I said, you're saving maybe 30 to 40% on your, um, on your electricity every year. And would you switch every year? I would. Absolutely. Because it's so simple. Uh, Again, you know, I'd always advise your listeners as well, look at switching your mortgage, look at switching your broadband, look at switching, you know, other products. But, um, you know, you're probably not going to do it every year, particularly your mortgage. When it comes to gas and electricity, absolutely, you're a fool if you're not paying. And, uh, you're fool if you're not switching. But the other thing as well is, you know, I'm always amazed at the obsession Irish people have, and it's a fine obsession with car insurance. The car insurance goes up. You know, people get their quote and it goes up by a tenner, and they're ringing around, they're trying to get a better deal, or they're disgusted that it's going up by you know twenty euro, and they they ring up and they haggle, which is great. But yet, yeah, people's electricity is going up by forty, fifty percent, and they'll still pay it. You know, I, know. So I, I say to people, it doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that passion that you have for getting, you know, good value on your car insurance, bring that to your other household bills as well. And
3: I have to say, your website, bonkers.ie, makes the comparison part very easy because, you know, as you say, with 14 companies, oh, how am I going to know who's going to offer me the cheapest? And that's where bonkers.ie comes in.
4: It is, yeah, absolutely. It would make it really, really quick and easy, and um, you know, our device we go on, log on, and then obviously as well, when you actually want to switch, we can manage that as well.
3: Okay, a number of people are saying, what is, is Dara's view on the new smart meters? Somebody said that Electric Ireland has, has brought in. It's not just, the smart meters are for everyone, it's not just Electric Ireland, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so yeah. so
4: it is for everyone. They're gradually being rolled out across the whole country. Um, They should help people save a little bit of money going forward. Uh, Maybe some of the savings that we're we're talking about might... Be, be as big but they should help people save and the, the thing about a smart meter is that it, it to allow us eventually um, and for the suppliers to offer just a number of different tariffs based on your own usage uh, that corresponds better with your own usage so for, for now you know if you use your electricity unless you have a night saver meter you're kind of going to be charged the same price for your electricity you know am or pm but with the smart meter, as they and the plan that it gets a little bit more developed you know there could be lots of different tariffs that you could choose from that can better suit your own consumption needs so for example if you have an electric car you could sign up for a tariff that has super super cheap electricity between maybe two and four o'clock in the morning when you might plug in your car and most people who sign up for smart meters as well you'll get like an a in-house play unit that will show you when you're using energy and how much, and it'll just give people a little bit more visibility over how much energy they're using, which should help us do our bit for the environment as well by you know, reducing our consumption. So a little bit like sometimes you know 5G, sometimes people think it's all you know, maybe a scam or there's something you know, worse out there or something negative. But you know, I think it is generally it should be good for consumers, um, but there's still a little bit of time for people, you know, you have to choose a smart tariff just yet. And yeah. with um, the G-Signer for a Smart Tariff, you can't go back. And that's just something to people you know for, for people to be aware okay
3: alright listen your mind of information as always uh, Dara thank you for that and thanks for joining us
4: no worries Patricia good
3: morning to you bye no bye, bye that is uh, Dara Cassidy bonkers.ie uh, and make that switch guys please 1850 anaerobic digestion is a no brainer for Ireland says this texter security of gas supply and consistent source of energy supply perfect for backing up wind and uh, Solar. That's my text to 0862
2: 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean
0: Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
3: Some parents who cannot afford the so-called voluntary contributions have told how parents embarrass, how schools embarrass their children by withholding lockers and books until the fee is paid. The Labour Party are calling on the government to ban these voluntary contributions and joining me Deputy Eadon O'Reardon, who is the Labour Party's spokesman on education. Good morning to you, Eadon.
5: Good morning,
3: Mr. I'm very well, thank you. Is your party hearing from parents who feel pressurized into paying a voluntary contribution that some simply can't afford to pay?
5: We are. Well, there's two things, uh, I suppose that we need to discuss here. One is, is that schools feel the need to ask for a voluntary contribution because schools are underfunded. So we need to discuss that. But also that parents are asked for a voluntary contribution, which isn't voluntary because if it is voluntary, you pay it or you don't pay it and there's no consequences. But what parents are telling us is that there can be repeated reminders. There can be text messages. There can be letters sent home. And in a minority of cases, there can be, um, you know, certain school services withdrawn from children, such as access to lockers, etc. So our legislation, which we published uh, about two years ago, would ban voluntary contributions that links them with a school service. So it wouldn't stop fundraising uh, or any of that kind of uh, activity that schools engage in, but it would ban voluntary contributions. But I, I would say this much, Patricia. The issue with Irish education and the issue with parents' engagement with schools is that far too much is about money. And if you are struggling and you don't have the money, you're less likely to engage in school life. You're less likely to go to the parent-teacher meeting. You're less likely to engage in school activities, parental activities. You're less likely to hang around the school gauge if you think you're going to get a reminder about money. And in August time and the beginning of September, it comes down to paying for school books, uniforms, and this voluntary contribution. So I think we need to collectively get back to the discussion about free education.
3: Yeah. And that the
5: conversations in schools should be about education, children, child development and not about money.
3: Yeah, because I know I've, you know I've spoken with schools over the years and they've always said, look, if a family are really strugg- struggling, if they, you know, if they contact the school, the school, of course, will waver the voluntary uh, contribution, which sounds stupid you're wavering something that's voluntary, but they will do it. But then on the other side of that, I've spoken with parents who say they would feel too embarrassed to go to the school and say, I can't pay for for Johnny or Mary. And they will go short in order to pay their contribution and that's yeah, not and fair
5: it shouldn't come to that and uh, what we also found from our survey is that while 69% of, of parents said their school did offer a book rental scheme that means that a lot of schools aren't offering a book rental scheme and every school has the capacity and there is funding from the department to run a school book rental scheme and a book rental scheme is when you rent the books off the school mm. now why, are, why isn't every single school uh, Doing providing it. that service uh, yeah. th- 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 for, for children every school can do it now If in this budget upcoming we were to allocate 20 million euros for primary school uh, books, we would have a free school book system as they have in Northern Ireland. And I know in my constituency, and I'm quite sure where you are in Cork, plenty of people who grew up in the north of Ireland currently living in the Republic, raising children in the Republic, are confused as to why they have to pay for school books, because it's not something they had to do when they were growing up. So I think we need to, to totally change the conversation here. Let's stop. You know, having parent teacher, or or sorry, parent associations being fundraising bodies. Let's stop talking about paying for school books and paying voluntary contributions and all this talk about money. Let's
3: fund the system Yeah, and and, and and return to
5: conversations with education.
3: And as as you say, I mean, schools don't want to have to ask parents for money, particularly in areas where they know the the families don't have it. But they, and I defend them all the time by saying, you know, they have to pay electricity bills, they have to pay the insurance, they just have to keep that front door of the school open to allow the, the children in. When was the capitation grant last increased?
5: I think there was a, an increase possibly last year. It certainly needs to go back up to the, to the pre-crash levels, but I think you're talking here not just for a small increase in capitation, you're talking about an investment of 45 million if you were to um, get rid of the need for voluntary contributions. That's the estimate from the Catholic Private Managers Association. But then let's talk about that 45 million and let's talk about the type of conversation that that 45 million would liberate. And that we wouldn't be talking about, I mean, I was a school principal, Patricia, I didn't like chasing the book money. I know teachers don't like talking about money, the parents, our principals don't like talking about money. And if we were released, we could release all this money pressure from schools. Imagine the amount of time and energy that a principal could spend on, on, on leading education, on leading learning, on talking about child development and school development, rather than always looking at bills that they can't pay or asking parents, uh, okay. for
3: cash. And I can see a number a number of parents saying they're just constantly getting bombarded with uh, text messages and WhatsApp messages uh, saying that you haven't paid your voluntary contribution. Okay, listen Aidan, I have to leave it there. Thank you for that and hey, uh, thanks uh, for joining us and of course it's the likes of the, your local of Vincent de Paul who are picking up the flack by helping out so many of these families as well, as well. Okay, we're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. In the next hour we're going to be looking at a project to try to build self-esteem in young people, particularly on bodies Image when it comes to social media.
2: Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's
0: Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk
3: to. CMIG.ie.
0: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Can we help Sheila in League, one of our listeners? She's been on to us this morning. She's trying to purchase a children's Oxford English dictionary for her daughter. It's the Irish edition of the Oxford English Dictionary she tried everywhere but she says uh, everywhere she goes they're telling it's out of stock so she's willing to to purchase one if somebody has one second hand you Now, lots of people will tell you they have attics full of school books so there's anybody listening ideally somewhere in and around the German League area so that we could hook Sheila up with the family that has it but as I say she's willing to purchase it the Children's Oxford English Dictionary the Irish edition of it please if anybody can help out with that and then a listener was on to us saying, what about the Listoon Varna Festival? Is that going ahead? No, it was back in June actually that the organisers of the Listoon Varna Festival uh, came out and said that for the second year in a row, it's a festival that has been taking place for the last 160 years, but the Listunvarna Varna Matchmaking Festival has been cancelled for the second uh, year. They're very much tied in with the live music events like the Electric Picnic that we spoke about and they feel under the current guidelines back in June. They just said there was, there was no Way under those guidelines, but even with the changing, uh, they feel they couldn't go ahead with it. But I did read that there will be smaller socially distance events held in a number of venues in the town of Liston Varna during this the month of September, and the advice is to check individual businesses for further details. So if you're in and around Liston and Varna and you want to check that out, but the actual festival itself not going ahead, and they are already planning for 2022. So there'll be a much bigger liston Varna Festival next year. A number of... Oh, before I get to that, just um, we were talking about electricity in the last uh, hour. And now electricity is going up and some companies have put up electricity three and four times in the last 12 months. It does seem to be unprecedented even though Dara was clearly explaining why it has gone up. A listener says on switching and you can save money by switching John in Cove says you've no sooner switched from one supplier to another and the new supplier decides to put up the prices. John says it never seems to affect the big boys pockets. It's the middle class and those living on the margins that are affected by this. But you, you definitely, if you switch every year, you will You even if it's only for so many months, you will definitely save money and if you, the company that you're with decides to increase to a price increase, well you'll have saved so much money anyway that it, it, is, it, it absolutely is worth uh, switching over. Uh, thank you for your call. Somebody else on electricity then when I mentioned smart meters when I spoke to Dara and actually I got a letter in the post saying that I'm getting a smart meter. I just haven't got the date yet of when the smart meter is, ar- is arriving uh, to my own house, but they are rolling out uh, smart meet- meters. A listener has contacted us to say, since I got the new smart meter installed, my electricity bill has gone up. I spoke with a few of my friends and they all found the same thing. I'm just wondering, have many of your other listeners noticed that there has been an increase in their electricity since the smart meter went in? Now, the only thing I can think of Was because the one advantage to the smart meter is it completely ends estimated bills. You know, these estimated bills that you get. They'll come and they'll read your meter so many times a year and then for so many of your other bills they're going to be estimated. It gets completely rid of estimated bills. What can happen when the smart meter gets initially installed if you've had a couple of estimated bills back to back you may not have been paying the full amount and then suddenly you get a huge bin you think oh is this because the smart meter has gone in because the smart meters actually should ultimately save us all money for one a very obvious one is that when you get a smart meter installed you can actually see in real time It's via an in-home house in display unit or on a smartphone or on a tablet. You should be able to see exactly how much energy you are consuming. And then from that, you should be able to see why am I using so much electricity at this time? And you should be able to reduce your consumption because there's nothing that the installing of the smart meter can do that could increase your cost. But that's the only thing I can think of. I'll let you know when I get my smart meter in if I've noticed my bill going up or not, even though thanks to listening to somebody like Dara Cassidy giving that advice about changing over, I was one of those ones that had never, ever changed. I was with the same electricity supplier since we moved into the house. I'd never changed. And then I there was, it's, I think it's about two two years ago maybe, we dower on again and I just got a a letter in from my supplier who I was with to say price was going up again I said this is ridiculous I'm doing the interviews every year saying to people we need to be switching I need to practice while I'm preaching and I did and I reduced my electricity bill and then I stayed with the same company for another year and then I just got a letter in from them saying that it's going to go up again and I've just said hang on a tick I've given you two years of my business and I'm not willing to get caught so I've gone on I actually went on over the weekend to bonkers.ie and if I go with a new supplier, which is what I'm planning on doing, I can save, I think some about €500 Euro over the year on my consumption costs. So it does pay and even if the new company I go with decide to increase they won't have increased it by that much. So it certainly is worth it and I'll let you know how I get on with my smart meter but anybody else noticing electricity bills going up because of their smart uh, meters. Please will you give a warning, there's text messages doing the rounds purporting to be from the Courier DHL or there's another one from um on post saying your package is about to be delivered. I've received several texts from different numbers who all say pretty much the same thing. I know I don't have a package due to arrive so I know it's a scam but if a person was expecting a package and got one of these texts they could easily click on the link and end up, end up being scammed out of money. I've got the weekend now in particular, I got a flurry of those saying package coming. Exactly what that listener is saying. And last week, actually, I was expecting a package and I got a genuine text from the company who was delivering the package. And about two minutes later, I got a text from another and I had to stop and look to say, oh, which one of these is genuine? I didn't click on e- either of them anyway, but the package got Delivered, but yes, you can get caught out. You do need to be very careful about it. Okay, we were discussing voluntary contributions in schools in the last hour with Labour's Deputy Airdon Oriordon, and we were talking about how some schools can put pressure on parents to pay. The voluntary con- contribution. And, you know, I think Aidan was very fair in explaining, you know, it's very tough on families who are financially can't afford it. And if you have more than one child going to school, you, know, you have a number of voluntary contributions. But also, Aidan and I can see it from the school's point of view, they're not looking for the voluntary contributions for the fun of it. They genuinely need the money in order to pay all the bills that are coming in to keep the school doors uh, open. So, listener says, Patricia, a neighbour of mine couldn't afford the voluntary contribution and was getting texts and WhatsApps from the school. So they sent a solicitor's letter to the school saying that all of these texts and WhatsApp messages were was affecting the individual's mental health. They got no more reminders and no problems after that. Now, I, and yeah, it certainly is one way to end the texts and the reminders coming from the school. I just think that's a bit of an extreme thing to do. And I wonder, did your neighbours, before they sent the text message, did they ring up the school and did they explain that, look, we just can't afford the voluntary contribution this year, maybe next year we'll be able to afford it? Because I've spoken with school principals who are are always very aware of families and very aware that some families absolutely have no problem paying the voluntary contributions, but there will be other children whose families can't afford it. And principals in the main are really, really good about seeing that and if you, you contact the school. So, just sending a solicitor's letter seems really extreme unless, unless, now I'm, you know, maybe your neighbour had contacted the school and they were continuing to get the messages and I'm not in any way taken from the fact that it was affecting their mental health. But I'm just thinking the cost of a solicitor's letter to a school, it just seems a very extreme thing to do. But it worked and they haven't had a reminder since. Because... My attitude and my advice always is contact the school and even though I've heard from parents who say that they don't want to do that, they feel embarrassed about doing that and they don't want their school principal or the teachers in the school to know that this particular family are stuck for cash at the moment and therefore they'll go to any lengths other than contact the school and they'll borrow the money or they'll go short in order to pay the voluntary contribution. We've heard from parents say that as well. And this listener says my daughter did approach the principal who advised her not to worry about the voluntary contribution and there would be no pressure from the school. Then they constantly messaged her and kept putting letters into into the daughter's uh, school bag. Now I'm assuming the text messages are just coming Are being, coming from some computer generated thing as soon as you pay the voluntary contribution you come off the list so I'm assuming that's what's happening there I can't explain why they're continuing to put notes into your daughters into the little daughters uh, granddaughters school bag particularly when the principal said don't worry about it what I would suggest for your daughter to do is to get back onto the school and say I did speak with you already you did say there would be no pressure and detail the number of text messages and the number of notes that you've had and get the Principle to make sure whoever is sending out those notes or sending out those texts to make sure that they uh, stop. 1850 on Leo Varadkar and he going to the festival, the Mighty Hoopla, I think it's a great name for a festival, in uh, London. Somebody says and that Jerry Buttimer, Senator Ger- Ger- Jerry Buttimer was out defending Leo Varadkar this morning. Wasn't Jerry Buttimer the same man who was at the golf gate? And didn't he get reinstated? And wasn't it Leo Varadkar got him reinstated? back into the party. It's a case of you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And that's from Tim in Boherbury. And Tim in Boherbury is right. Jerry Bottomer was one of the members of the Fine Gael party who lost the party whip over the attendance at the Aroctus Golf Society uh, dinner. And he did have his membership reinstated. Now, it was the Fine Gael parliamentary party who unanimously unanimously agreed to reinstate uh, Jerry Butthema. There was also a couple of other senators, Paddy Burke and John Commons, but the motion for the reinstatement was brought by the the of Varadkar but it was the Parliamentary Party who had to unanimously decide uh, on it. So Tim and Bohobre says it's a payback time. And then there was someone else who was on uh, I don't know where it's gone. It's gone because I'd say they've sent in another text so I can't actually see uh, where it is. Let me just take a quick check up here. Um, oh, here it is. This is from Michael. Uh, Michael says, "Prisha, it makes me laugh with pity for those pure idiots that call for the thornish that Leo Varadkar's sacking over him attending a music festival. The question should be asked what exactly did Leo Varadkar do wrong by attending the festival on Saturday? Some little failed somebody, possibly with an iPhone, took a photograph of him on his own, trying to get a headline to promote anger amongst others. They don't have to worry because Leo Rodker is going at nowhere. Okay, I can the, what, well, some failed little somebody. It was uh, the person, I actually checked. It was, it just, it seemed to be, from what I could gather from when I, when I saw it break over the weekend, it seemed to be a female young woman, an Irish woman, who just happened to be attending the concert. Or the festival on Saturday saw him and decided to take a photograph and decided to put it up and decided to add her own spin on it. And then, of course, as with anything on social media, it just takes off at an alarming level and people just jumped on it straight away. Michael, anyway, feels he did absolutely nothing wrong. And Michael is absolutely right. He didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't that we were living under, a you're not allowed to travel out of the country, you're not allowed to go to music festivals. We've been told that whatever country you're in, You abide by the rules of their country. And we know in England at the moment, it certainly is. They have had a huge easing of restrictions uh, over there. 1850 333 103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Dano Supervalue in Mallow, they're hiring sales assistants. CVs, please, for the attention of Lorraine Donnery to 344-mallow-hr at supervalue.ie Apprentice Cabinet Maker is required for new market. You send a text please to 087-348-1152 Buckley Civils they've got vacancies for excavator drivers for working Cork City and County. Job does come with an immediate start. Call Dierman at 086-83-21373 and Araglin Nursing Home that's in Bohebway. They're looking for assistance to support their care teams. CVs please to chris at Araglinhouse.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court
2: today on C103
0: with John Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: Now Dove are today launching a self-esteem project here in Ireland in a bid to arm the next generation with the tools they need to grow up enjoying a positive relationship with the way they look. Tricia Lewis, author, chef, and wellness advocate, who has is is has, has known what. It's like to suffer from low self-esteem joins me today because she's an ambassador for this project. Good morning to you, Good morning, how are I, you? I, I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose you're very well known for publicising your own weight loss journey and, and your honesty with sharing your story. At what age did you start to worry about your body image?
6: Um, I would say quite young. I remember uh, maybe around after my communion, so I'd have been eight or nine I think And I started to be aware that I was um, bigger than other people. But when I look back now, I actually really wasn't. I was just, you know, there was puppy fat. And I, I think I left that fester. So I suppose that's why I'm involved in this project now, because I know how detrimental it can be if you kind of set yourself an unrealistic standard of beauty and perfection. And, you know, you don't accept who you are. It can be quite a dangerous slippery slope.
3: Yeah, because I I know they've Dove have done a lot of research for this project, and they've they've gone with girls as young as ten. And I was kind of taken aback, saying a ten year old worried about their body image.
6: Yeah, and I've lived. That's so why I understand it. And I think that you know, at the moment we're all living in a world where we socialize nearly more online than we do in person, especially the last couple of month, uh, months. And I think that you know, in in the saddest kind of figure that I found on average a 12 year old girl in Ireland 39% of them have downloaded an editing app to filter what they look like and to edit out what are perceived I suppose as socially flawed and that makes me so sad because for part of the project I I decided I would edit a photo of myself which is something I don't do, I don't use filters and one of the paid features on it was acne removal and I just got so sad because I was like when I think of the way we were reared by our one mother, I've eight sisters, and you know we were always taught that you know you are who you are, and you have to love who you are. And I struggled without having filters. So can you imagine having those tools now? How much kids are suffering on and off social media?
3: I mean, like a twelve-year-old, they haven't even hit teenage years yet. You're thinking, goodness me! And then this whole social media thing, Tricia, is it giving a very distorted image of the
6: perfect look? I think you need to approach social media like you would with a storybook. You know that some parts might be true and other parts might be a little bit fluffed out a little bit. And I think social media can either change your life or it can ruin your life. You need to take it with a kind of a pinch of salt and realize that this is just a snippet into somebody's life. And I think social media is wonderful, but I would love to remove the filters and, you know when you pop a filter on, it chisels your nose, and then when you go back to your regular nose, you're like, oh, I noticed the flaw. So I think that social media is wonderful. It'll give people huge opportunities to change their career paths and stuff like that. But I would, because I changed my career from being a chef to becoming an LD Brand ambassador, and everything changes. But I think that with, with it's new, you know, it's only kind of coming in in my generation. I started with Bebo and then Facebook, etc. So now the younger generation, they've no blueprints because, we're just mapping the way out in front of us. You know, my older sister doesn't have a Facebook account and she doesn't understand it whatsoever. She's like, what do you mean you put up your breakfast? She's like, isn't that weird? And she doesn't get it, whereas I do. And I understand that the younger generation now don't have a blueprint. They're just learning from our mistakes. So now is the time to turn the tide and to explain that once you lose your authenticity, you're going to lose self-acceptance and to realize that, You are perfect who you are. You don't have to compare yourself to maybe some influencer in New York who looks fabulous and has a YouTube channel and never had to go to school, etc. It's all about bringing it back to yourself and going, how do I want to see social media for the future and for us to start using it? And I think that the lack of judgment needs to be pulled away from it. So if you see somebody using a filter, don't judge because you don't know are they using that filter because 10 years ago someone called them fat in primary school and that still rings in their head. So I think we all just need to realize that we have to help the younger generation. I think that's why Dove Self-Esteem Project, like, they now have resources online that are free for parents, teachers, guardians, anybody that has an influence on a younger girl or boy in Ireland, and give them tools to realize that they can, they are perfect, you know. I think that's where I get, when I see my nieces now, I'm like, I will be so worried for them coming into an online social media world that you nearly have to, arm them with the negative before they can see the positive. So you have to see the weeds before yeah. you can finally see the flowers. And and that to me is scary because normally you go into a job and you'd say, oh, these are all the perks and the flaws start appearing then eventually. But you have to arm them with tools to teach them that they don't need to digitally distort their body image. and You know, a lot of them feel bad coming off social media, and their body image and their self-confidence. And I know for a fact, if I had an Asian app when I was at my heaviest, I would 100% of you. Would would
3: yeah, that's interesting.
6: And it's, you know, it's you can't
3: say to young people, stop using social media. And as parents, they can't ban their children from using social media. I mean, I remember speaking with a child psychologist a number of years ago, and we were discussing when, when smartphones were really becoming popular for young people. You know, and w- at what age do you give a child a smartphone? And I always remember him saying, your child can't be the only one in the class. Who doesn't have a smartphone, or who isn't on social media? Because then they stand out, and they can get bullied for n- not being the only ones on social media. So we have to, as you say, arm them. When they are going on social media, they have to learn the good, the bad, and the ugly about it.
6: Yeah, and and I think that you know, I think have a what you arm them with is boundaries. And I think when you ask your child, "Are you okay? You're not being bullied on social media or anything like that," ask them twice, ask them three times, and keep checking in because. On and on, like on social media, you don't know what's being said. Especially like my sister, who doesn't even know Facebook. It's very hard for her for her child to come into. You know, so I think you need to keep asking questions, keep checking in, and teach them boundaries, and just make sure that they know who they are. They don't need to worry about anyone else because if somebody's going to be nasty, they'll do it online or offline. But they need to realise that they have boundaries and they must must communicate with the parents. And I think that. You know, if they stand out, it is, it's is—it's like not being invited to a sleepover if you don't know what the funny thing was online last night. But I do think there should be a certain age mm-hmm. where if you can pull the social media back as much as you can so that they can mature themselves because you don't want them growing up and maturing the way somebody other, some 17-year-old is, because it's not comparable, you know. so just always have maybe boundaries around social media and teach them that they have to be who they are and. Triple check, triple check that they're okay, um, because you don't know what they're hiding or, you know. And the thing is, like, social media changed my life in a really positive way. And I did it with no filters at my heaviest and what would be perceived as Instagram imperfection. And I've changed my life. So it's stay true to who you are and be kind to others. And it will really help. And what
3: was it that got you to that space to be able to do that?
6: to be able to confidently upload. Yeah. Because I was absolutely sick of judging myself. I was sick of always finding my flaws and always, you know, thinking about what others would think of me instead of thinking of what I think of myself. And I said, you know what, I'm going to chance to, because I never seen the good, the bad, the ugly of a weight loss journey on social media. I, I always seen the before, the afters, and I was like, but what is the in-between? When you fall, when you're down, What is what do you do to get right back up? And, So that's why, now, to be honest, it was actually ironic. I did it on Instagram because I felt I knew too many people on Facebook. (laughs) And that backfired very rapidly. But you know what? I just, it was incredibly freeing to just be myself. And I remember when I was at my worst, I remember my sister had said the words, will you you see what we can see? And that always rang in my head. And then I just said, you know what? I'm going to chance it. Now, I never, in my wildest dreams, expected it to have 208,000 people follow. It's terrifying. But... As long as I have my boundaries, I'm okay. And I think that when you put up something and it's, you're, you're telling your truth, sometimes you can feel very alone. And then other people are like, I feel exactly like that, Trish. And it brings great comfort to know you're not alone. And you're never alone. You always have yourself. But you have to figure out who you are. And I think that's what I did. And I'm glad I called it Trish's Transformation because I, um, every single day of the week I transform and I find a new part out about myself. And, and it's lovely.
3: Well done, well, well done. And where are you at now? Are you comfortable in your own skin, as they say?
6: Yes, yes. I'm enjoying the journey. And I'm, like, my goal has never changed. I want to get to my 12th stone, 13th stone. I'm about four and a half stone off that now. But my my timeline has. I, I had an unrealistic timeline at starting, you know, everything was going to be perfect. And once I started, I was never going to stop. But now I realise that, you know, life is a curve curveball. Life is for the living, and if you don't enjoy the journey, you're never going to enjoy the destination. So am I comfortable enough to wear a bikini going down Patrick Street? Probably not. (laughs) But I don't think anyone wants to see that going into Madison Spencer. (laughs) But am I comfortable that I wake up every single day and I'm excited about the new day? 100% yes. And I think that my mom is a huge fan of you, like literally, she often says, one woman I want to meet now is Patricia Messner. Every day, but when I see the relief in her eyes, that's what keeps me going. Like Mam used to get massive sets for me, a knock. And she was just at her wits end. She didn't know how to help. If she tried to help, would it put me the other way? And, and I think that is the highlight of my journey. When I see her lovely, lovely green eyes and she's happy. Um, well, for, for, really any mother,
3: for any mother to watch their child go through pain... And and you sounded like, and I've seen your videos, they're incredible. I've I've watched your stuff online, I've seen you on, on TV. Uh, y- you sound like you, you were a really pained little soul at the time. You were just, you were lost. And that's very hard for a mother to watch.
6: And that's so true, because Mam said, Mam's words were, you were so lost, and I couldn't get you to find your way back to me. And I just, and I, no matter, I remember I always say to her, Mam, I love you, loads and I'm not talking about it now. And I'd always reassure that I loved her, but I was sorry that I wasn't able to talk about it. And, you know, that's, that's the hard part of it. When you're, when you're in that dark space, it's very hard to open up because you're afraid of who you're going to meet. You know exactly how, how sad you feel. And to open up, but what I would say to anyone in the position that I was in, and the position, any position of sadness is you need to open up. You need to kind of go head on and go, right, this is who I am. I don't need a filter. I don't need anything of the above. I am a strong Irish independent woman and I can take this on because a lot of people aren't guaranteed the present day of today. And I wake up every day and I'm like, thank God I get another day to make myself feel better. And we can kick ourselves about weight. But at the end of the day, our body doesn't know if it's a Monday or a Sunday. You know, we wake up on a Monday and we're riddled in guilt and anxiety and worry that we ate a burger the day before. But life is for the living. If that happens, just get up and reset. It doesn't mean that you're entitled to treat yourself badly today. You know, I think that that's what I found. I found the healthy balance, and to realise that no matter what I do, I am I'm not lost anymore. I know who I am, and I know what I stand for and what my values are. And I'm delighted that I'm I came kind of full circle. And please God, I I keep going because I figured out that I have an eating disorder. And I'm getting the help that I need for with therapy, and and I think that sometimes it could be shame and stigma and all of that. But I think to say like doesn't no one actually cares what another person what they're doing. You might talk about it, you might gossip or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, you're not the last thought of somebody when they hit their pillow. So just look after yourself and put yourself first and go, what do I need to do to get myself to where I want to go?
3: And what do I need to do today? Tomorrow yep. we'll worry about about itself. Yeah, you you you're almost. Set. You sound like you're a butterfly that's come out of a cocoon, and it's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic, and it's brilliant for your mother because she's watching you soar, and 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 that is amazing. Because a listener has says her thirteen year old daughter had put on a lot of weight during lockdown. Uh, Mum is afraid to mention the word diet. What would Tricia advise? Don't
6: mention the word diet. Okay. Don't yeah. mention the word weight. Don't mention the word, anything like that. But what I would say is mention, like not mention, but, you know, include activities as a family together. Don't single out your daughter and don't make it seem like she's a problem. Because believe me, if if you're noticing it, maybe somebody else in school has said it or something. What I would say is promote health within the household. You're in charge of the shopping. You're in charge of, you're the boss of a 13-year-old. At the end of the day, you're Mm -hmm. the boss. If you want to go for a walk, bring them with you include them in activities, and just you know, lead by example if you can. You know, sometimes you can hear people saying, "Well, I'm saying this one to lose weight," and you know, at the end of the day, someone's never going to take advice from somebody they don't want to talk places with. So, lead by example. Get the water in there. Put away soft drinks. You know, and don't see things as you know a bar of chocolate. Oh, that's your treat. Now, all of these—it's the wrong lingo. Food is just food. Remove the emotion. Somebody has a bar of chocolate, let them enjoy it. Because what happens is, if you highlight that, they're they're probably going to eat that in secret. And the food they're eating in secret, they're wearing it in public. And I think that maybe that little girl might be a bit lost. And she feels it on her clothes, so just promote health, happiness is key. They're doing it for, you know, strength. And I would definitely never mention the word diet and weight loss and plans and stuff like that because... You know, you have to teach somebody to love themselves. And I know when I was growing up, let's say 20 years ago, I think I joined Weight Watchers for the first time. I was 13 years of age. And if you loved yourself, you were nearly vain. Whereas loving yourself is the best thing you can do for yourself. So I would definitely just promote extra activities, healthier food on the table, and, you know... And the whole whole
3: family will benefit.
6: Everyone. Everyone. And at the end of the day, you can't single someone out. You know, you have to... Because it's health. It's not weight. It's health. You want and, to be and it's in,
3: it's it's interesting. The mum says during lockdown because you know people were talking about the COVID stone, and everybody said you know you catch ch- loads of people who felt that they put on weight uh, during, during the lockdown. Did you find the lockdown hard, Tricia?
6: Awful. It was so lonely, and it was a time when binge eating was nearly encouraged. That you know the banana um, bread. I yeah. found it really difficult. Yeah. Because I was bored, I was lonely. But then eventually, the second lockdown, I was like, right, fool on me if you catch me on. You know, I was like, I'm going to get this done. Um, but I found it much better. But I, I think that, you know, especially as a 13-year-old, like you were told to stay inside. You weren't allowed play. You know, things that would have naturally burnt off a bit of a, like a bar of chocolate or something, wasn't mm. happening. So, you know, let lockdown be just a part of a chapter. It doesn't like your, uh, Mam always says your lessons are your blessings. You know, you learn from whatever it is and you're blessed with that knowledge in the future. Just what I would say is just, promote health over and over again if you think of the word diet it's got D-I-E in it it's bleak it's (laughs) miserable whereas it should be your lifestyle you know it it should be organic that you learn I'm going to reach for an orange because that's fuel and that's going to make me feel good
3: Listen, pass on my best wishes to your mother. She sounds like a I very would. wise woman. And one day, tell her, we will meet. We will oh meet. Oh, my God, she's L- an angel. L- 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 Thank L- you so much for having well, me. Well, listen, you're, you're brilliant and you, and you are an inspiration. You, you really are. Continue good luck uh, with your transformation, uh, Tricia, and we'll continue to watch you online. And it's a real pleasure having you on the programme. Thank you for that. Take care. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye bye. Uh, Tricia Lewis there, uh, author, chef and uh, wellness advocate. And she is a brand ambassador for the new Dove self-esteem project which has officially been launched today 1850 John Paul's taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp to 0862
2: 103103
0: 103. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie
3: It's time for our monthly chat with the Citizens Information Service and I'm joined this morning once again by Anne O'Donovan who is the Development Manager with The South Munster Citizens Information Service, which covers West Cork and is based in Bantry. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Anne, you're very welcome. And in a couple of minutes, we are going to be discussing pensions and other supports for older people. But firstly, restrictions starting to be lifted. The first of them from uh, today. We're trying to get back to a more normal life. How are you guys doing at Citizens Information? Are you open for drop-in yet?
6: No,
7: Patricia, we're still providing our service um, mainly by phone, but, but we see people by appointment in circumstances where we can't deal with the issue over the phone. So really what we would say is uh, we ask people that they ring us first um, as as we still don't have the drop-in so it's not possible to just walk in but really want to reassure people that if someone needs a face-to-face appointment, we will facilitate it if at all possible. Um, currently, our offices in Bantry for my Mallow and y'all are set up to meet people by appointment. So, Okay, but not the
3: walk-in the way you used yeah, to be. Just, But that no. will come in time.
7: Oh, we are hoping. I mean, like, like that would very much be in our bread and butter, Patricia. Yeah. We'd love to get back to that, and, and that's the way we really, that's the way we want to work. But just circumstances don't allow us at the moment because okay. our volunteers still aren't back because we, you know, we've had a year and a half now where we, our volunteers can't come in and, you know, some of our schemes have, so we have a lot of catching up and training to do for people yet, so... Yeah, you have to keep everybody yeah.
3: safe, that's what it's all about. So today yeah. we're going to focus on older people. Now, what information and supports are available for older people from Citizens Information?
7: Well, we provide a, a broad range of information advice uh, on topics that are of interest to older people. Um, I suppose most queries we'll get really are in relation to the state pensions uh, and the other secondary benefits, you know, the fuel allowance, free travel, household benefits, those kind of schemes. And, of course, we also deal with uh, queries in relation to the the nursing home support scheme, you know, the fair deal. Things like renewing driving license, and a lot of people have had queries about that because, you know, so many things have gone online for people, so they would be contacting us to know wh- how to do it. Um, housing grants, you know, around adapting your house as you get older, putting in mobility aids, all that kind of thing. To be honest, it, it's very broad. We're like a, a one-stop shop for information, advice, and advocacy. So, And I suppose the other thing is if we don't have the answers, we'll, we'll link you into the place that do so. Brilliant,
3: yeah. brilliant. Okay, you mentioned the state pension. What are the main queries around the state pension?
7: I suppose the first thing really is a lot of people maybe um, aren 't sure what to expect I suppose if you've had um, you know if you 've had a work life where you started at eighteen and you work continuously in the same place right up until you 're sixty six it 's fairly straightforward, but that 's not the case for a lot of people so So a lot of people contact us really to find out as they approach pension age to find out what rate of, of pension they can expect. And I suppose the first thing we will always say to people is we would advise them to request a copy of their social insurance record from the department. Because when they receive that then, we can, we would generally arrange to go through it with them and we we're able to advise them what to expect and what level of pension their con- contributions entitled them to. Because as I said, you know, a lot of people, maybe particularly women, if they've gaps in their record, you know, as I said, for a lot of women, they may have been out of work raising their children. We'll check if they're eligible for like this home caring credits.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, you know, so like, and
3: so well, that can be up to twenty years, can't it? It is, yeah. yeah
7: so yeah. Like, for, like, for anybody who was born after the first September nineteen forty six, and if they've been caring full time, yeah, you, you're right. They can have up to twenty years of home caring credits. Now, the, I suppose the most important thing though to unlock those twi- those c- home caring credits, somebody needs to have. Ten years of paid contributions, okay. so if you haven't that minimum of ten years paid contributions, we can't look at the home caring but but that's the kind of thing we look with people okay you know,
3: and, and, but you know. then what what about the spouse if hobby went out to work uh, and you don't have enough credits in your right because you were the stay at home mother mm-hmm. can
7: yeah, yeah. can the husband claim the spouse claim? Yeah, yeah, so the spouse, uh, spouse or partner can claim an increase for what's called their qualified adult, that's their dependent adult. Now, when so when when we're discussing pensions with, with couples, really, we will always explore whether someone will be better off applying for a pension in their own right, if they have enough, or whether they should be a, a qualified adult on their, their partner's, their spouse or, or partner's pension. Now, I suppose the key thing that we always need to flag with people is that the increase even on a contributory pension which is based on someone's PRSI if they're claiming an increase for their spouse or partner that increase is means tested ah. and that and that, that sometimes comes as a surprise to people and, and we have come across situations where maybe the spouse maybe they obviously when they were applying for the pension they put down all the information about their, you know what any assets or whatever they had but sometimes maybe the spouse had a change in circumstances maybe someone maybe they had an inheritance of money or property and subsequent to the pension being approved, but they didn't inform the department. And I suppose that can lead to an overpayment arising and the department looking for the money back. So we would always say to be careful that if you are a a qualified adult, you're getting it on the basis of your husband's um, pension in this case. Um, If there's any change in circumstances you need to notify the department so they don't, people don't land into an overpayment situation.
3: If you worked abroad, and many people have uh, worked abroad, does that go towards your pension in Ireland?
7: Yeah, no, that's, again, a frequent uh, query because I suppose a lot of people in Ireland have spent time abroad. So if you've worked in Ireland and you've also worked in another EU uh, country, your Irish contributions from the other EU country can be added to your Irish P- PRSI to help you qualify for a pension. Now, again, I just really ca- caution with that, though. It will be a pro rata pension. So uh, what that means, it's proportionate to the amount of contributions you actually paid in Ireland. So it's never going to be greater than the amount you'd get if you had that minimum of 10 years worked in Ireland. So we will always look to see, have you ten, have you 10 years paid contributions in Ireland for us? Because if you have... That's going to be much better off than going for what we call the pro rata pension, which proportionate, to the, you know, where you're combining your Irish and, and French or Irish and America or whatever. Because it, as well as other EU countries, it also applies if you worked in a non-EU country that Ireland has a what they call a bilateral social security agreement with. So like that would be America... Canada, Australia, countries like that,
3: you know. Yeah, and that's where you guys can come in to work out which yeah, is absolutely. the best one, the best one to apply yeah. for. A lot of Irish people will have worked in the UK. Has anything changed since Brexit?
7: No, at the moment now like Irish and UK citizens living here in Ireland, they can still benefit from the social insurance contributions they made when working in the UK in the same pro-rata way, okay, as I said earlier, so it's going to still be a proportionate pension. Now, that is under the current, so, uh, current, current situation. Now, again, we don't know if that's going to change, but as it stands, nothing's changed.
3: Okay, everything's okay. Now, I'm just conscious mm-hmm. that I'm, we're up against it on time. Can we take a break here because I need to go to the newsroom at 12 and come back to you after 12 to finish off this because there's a lot more I need to talk to you about. Is that okay with you, Anne? We'll talk with you after 12. Thanks for that. Uh, Anne O'Donovan will be back with us because uh, we want to look at what happens if somebody, for example, doesn't have enough contributions to get a pension because that's been a huge issue, particularly for a lot of females uh, who took time out to raise a family. So we will talk more with Anne, but we need to take a break and head to the newsroom. I'm looking for your questions as well for Annalise elise nutritional therapist, because she joins us after 12 as well. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103.
2: 103. Cork Today on C103.
0: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See mig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed
3: we are returning to our chat with Anne O'Donovan, the Development Manager with the South Munster Citizens Information Service covering uh, West Cork. And we are discussing uh, pensions and other supports for older people. You're welcome back with us, Anne. And I can see a number of listeners are asking the same question. What happens if you don't have enough contributions to get a
7: pension? Yes, and sometimes that can happen for for a variety of reasons because I, I need to stress that you need that minimum of 10 years of paid social insurance contributions to get the minimum contributory pension. So, um, so then obviously, if that is isn't the case, because for whatever reason, that somebody is in looking at applying for the state non-contributory pension, and that the difference with the non-contributory pension really is that it's means tested. So when so when somebody is in that situation, we will go through the means test with with you. I mean, your own home is 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 never taken into account the means test but uh, anything else any other property that's owned or any savings also your partner's income everything is looked at in the non-contributory pension so and that you know at times sometimes people are a bit alarmed about that and kind of concerned because they're not sure how that means test is going to work but that's something we we can explain go through but but,
3: but if a person then did have savings or, or did have assets I mean is there a scenario that they could end up with no state pension
7: Well, no, it's not quite as cut and dried as that, really. So, uh, there are some disregards. So, uh, a single person uh, straight off can have twenty thousand euros of of savings or capital, and it's ignored. And it's double that for a couple. Uh, And as I said earlier, if the person owns their own home, the value of that is disregarded. It doesn't matter whether your house is worth a hundred thousand or a million. Once you're it's your own home and you're using it, you're living in it. It never comes into the, the means test. Now. The difference would be all right if someone had a second property. So if you had a second property and um even if it was rented out, it's not the rental value they'd be looking at; it's the capital value wow. of that that's going to be taken into account, and if that can in- catch people you, out. Yeah, if you inherited yeah. a
3: property or something, yeah, it you, can. Yeah, yeah. and yeah.
7: It, cause now if there, if it's something you bought and there was an outstanding mortgage, on the more, it's, it's the mortgage value is taken off You know, would be uh, there will be allowances for that. But if you own it straight out, you're talking about the capital value of it. So, so I suppose we would encourage really anyone if they're unsure about the means test to contact us, and we'll go through it, the figures with them. Because I mean, they, like there are. A lot of different disregards and even on the non-contributory pension if somebody was working say they were they, they were employed they could earn 200 euros a week from insurable employment and still be able to keep their their yeah. non-contributory pension so it's not you know it, it's it's not cut and dried, you know. What I yeah, mean? So yeah. we would we would really urge people if they're in that situation to come and talk to us, and we'll explain the figures because it's um, okay. And we know
3: there was a lot of talk and debate about changing the age for the uh, state pension.
7: Is that still going ahead? Well, yeah, you're right there. Now, currently, you you get your pension at sixty six, and and yeah, you're right because I mean the, the it was due to rise to sixty seven from the first of January twenty twenty one. But then you might recall the government deferred this change and um, a pension commission has been established to consider the change to the pension age, among other things. So for the moment, though, it remains at 66. OK, but, but of course it, it, it could change, but yeah. at the moment it's 66. Yeah. OK,
3: and of course the big one with it being at 66, many people, their, their place of employment will tell them that they must retire at 65. So they've mm-hmm. got that year in between.
7: Yeah, and, and, and what, Yeah, that year between 65 and 66 was like a no-man's land there. Yeah. But if you retire at, at 65, you may qualify for... There was a new benefit payment introduced, which covered, it kind of bridges that gap between uh, 65 and 66. So to qualify for that uh, at 65, you must stop have stopped work, and then there are certain PRSI contributions to be met. They're not too onerous. Um, and then... The payment, it's similar to JobSeeker's Benefit. It's around the same amount, €203 per week. But you don't need to be looking for work or signing on at your local entry or centre. So. You know, it, it's kind of, there's less conditions
3: around it, really. OK, and if that goes to 67, you'll be doing that for two years. But anyway, I expect yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. OK, listener says, could you ask, uh, and your guest, please, is there any chance somebody born in January of 1946 could claim extra credits? My old age pension is short by €5. Euro. I was short two years of contributions for the full pension.
7: Well, you see, if somebody has, I suppose, if somebody has the basic they need to have the minimum 10 years paid, and then the only other thing, then they can, there is up to 20 years of home caring tax credits, but there are, there are sort of certain, um, um, conditions around that you know that you're caring for a child under 12 so one of the things when I suppose I would really encourage that person to talk to us Yeah. and we take cause I mean because there's so many different things you need to look at you need to look at say the age of their children when they were born you also need to look when they were last in the compulsory system because you can make voluntary contributions if, if you meet certain conditions but again I really we'd need to talk to the person yes so I would re- okay. what was that, per- that person, I would say and, give them my number and get them to ring and us. this is
3: somebody else I think that maybe needs to go into or make contact with their local assistance information but this is an interesting one could you ask Anne please what the pension what my pension situation is likely to be I worked for six years and then I've worked in the home for the past 28 years the reason I've been at home for 28 years I've been caring for my children but one of my children has special needs and therefore needs supervision 24-7 my husband has always had a good job during the duration of that time and we'll have a substantial pension shortly. However, we're about to get divorced and I'm wondering what my own entitlement to a pension will be.
7: Yeah, again I would really say to that person to, to ring us because we would need you know, because sometimes in divorce situations, pensions are part of the thing that are looked at as part of the settlement. So, but generally, I suppose she, I think the person said they had six years work. Now, just on the surface of it, you need to have the minimum of 10 years work to be mm-hmm. able to avail of the home caring uh, credits that she would, would could accrue around um, being, being at home caring for her her children. Uh, but I'd really say again, we need to look at her. Yeah. her so she, we need to talk to her because I suppose one of the things about the way when we work with people is, um, uh, because obviously the first thing we, we offer a confidential service, uh, because once you ask a question, we normally have to come back with a whole lot of other questions. answer yeah, It's, not, the situation it's before not as simple as answer. a yes or no answer. It, it it's very it. rarely is, you know. Yeah. So that's why I'd really encourage them to come and contact us and we, I'll give you the contact details at, at the, the end, end. And, we, and we go through then because we'd need to, We'd need to delve into it a lot more.
3: Okay, leaving pensions aside, then what are other benefits for older people that they need to consider?
7: Well, I suppose again there there are various benefits that kick in when you're like uh, free travel, say, kicks in for is available for people for everyone aged sixty six plus if they're a resident here in Ireland, and you can also look at extending your free travel to Northern Ireland through the Smart Pass. That's another uh, benefit for for over when you're over sixty six. Um, under certain circumstances you can qualify for the household benefits package at 66 that's you know where you get electricity allowance and the free tv license now if you're age 70 or over you're entitled to claim the household benefits simply on the basis of being over 70 there's no more conditions around it provided the bills are in your name and uh, it doesn't matter else who's living with you Um, other things really just there is a more generous means test for the over 70s medical card so a single person can have a gross weekly income of 550 euros and a couple 1,050, which is much more generous than for people under 70. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, just to be aware, if one of the couple is aged over 70 and the other is under 70, they'll both be treated as being over 70 in the assessment, uh, provided now what is important is the person aged over 70 who applies. And, oh, I suppose the other thing then is at, at 70, there's no charge for renewing your driving licence, yes. which is
3: plus. What, what, One yeah. of the pluses. But you can only renew your driving licence for a short time. Isn't it over yeah. 70?
7: Yeah, that's right. Like, I, I suppose once you're over 60, there's limits on how long you can apply. So if you're between 60 and 67, you can apply for a licence that'll expire the day before your 70th birthday. And then if you're between 67 and 70, you can apply for a three-year licence. And then if your current licence is due to expire within three months of your 17th birthday, your new licence then is issued for either one year or three years. Now, normally it's three years. The shorter duration of one year will apply if your GP chooses that option on the medical report. But for most people, it is three years.
3: Now, some older people and their families are thinking about nursing home and and the Fair Deal uh, scheme. The financial assessment for this uh, scheme, that can cause a a lot of concern. Can you help out with that at an information?
7: Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's if, if one of those things. If you're not familiar with the way it's assessed, it can be confusing, and it certainly it's a. We would often receive queries there from families; they're struggling to make sense of it. But I suppose the first thing really is the person, basically the person receiving the care. Um, they're contributing. 80% of their accessible income. So for most people, that will be their pension, say. So if, say, for argument's sake, if someone is in receipt of the weekly state pension of 248.30, they'll contribute 198.64 of it towards their nursing home cost. That would be 80% of it. Now, if it's a couple, uh, it's 40%. Now, the other thing is that comes into it is because with the nursing home, with the fair deal scheme, they look at everything. They don't, you know, there's, you know like I mentioned earlier, like say for the non contributory pension, your own house, if you're living in it is, doesn't come into the assessment. That isn't the case for the fair deal. So, it, in addition, you they, people are, there's a charge of 7.5% on any assets such as land or property, including the the, the house the that home. someone lives in. Yeah. Now, it's and again, all of these are halved if you're part of a couple. But the 7.5% charge on the on the principal residence is capped at three years. So I suppose that's the one thing with with your own home: the charge only goes on it for uh, even a if of the three person years.
3: was in the nursing home for five years, it's if only you're at five three years. years or, to,
7: or twenty years. Yeah. Okay. It, the, the, the own home is capped you know, at at the three years. At the three years. Okay. No. Currently, that cap doesn't apply to farms or businesses. You know, so like if yeah. you have a farm. The, 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 it doesn't end at three years, that charge just remains out indefinitely as long as the person's there. Same with a business. But I suppose people may be aware is that legislation is being prepared to extend the three-year cap to farms or businesses under certain circumstances. There will be certain conditions on it. Um, And the key thing really is where a family successor commits to working the farm or business for six years. And certainly we would have had loads of queries from people who are, this is a big concern for them, you know, where the family, where the the couple or one of the couple are going to hospital they still are the owner. the farm is still in their their name and there might be some son or daughter running the farm but because it's still in their name it's an asset and that seven the the charge on it is indefinite you know Mm. but uh, but it is going to be a a positive uh, when that legislation comes in it will cap it you know if there is somebody working the farm and they're committing to working it for six years. Yeah, so again, I'd say contact us if people have queries about
3: that. Yeah, because someone else has a query about is it different if the farm has been leased as opposed to somebody working the farm? Is that something you can deal with?
7: I, uh, to be honest, I would need to look at that a bit more. I wouldn't be able yeah. to give you an off-the-cuff answer that, to that but one, yeah. But somebody
3: go to citizen information, they should be able, yeah, able to help yeah, you. Absolutely, can a yeah. person retain any assets or savings?
7: Yeah, now the first 36,000 of your assets are excluded if you're single and 72,000 for a couple. Okay, so so like let's say if somebody had nothing else, only their house, let's say their house was 100,000, say, and they the 36,000 would come off it before they do any other assessing on it. You know, so okay. you could either have 36,000 in the bank or, or it'll be in allowed, assets. In, in assets, yeah. And it's double that for a couple. And then, um, now if your assets... Include your land and property, you can defer paying the seven point five percent contribution by applying there's the option what they call the nursing home loan, so someone can apply for that, so it means it's deferring payment of it until maybe they, when they're deceased or whatever and it come it's so and the property is sold or whatever and then it's paid back then but one other thing just to be aware that like i said if you if you ha- if you if you own your own house and and that's assessed as an asset. At the moment it's capped at three years but if you happen to sell the the house after your first assessment then the proceeds of the sale become a cash cash asset so it's no longer capped at the three the three years you know so uh, so that's just to be aware of that as well.
3: Now a couple of people are asking the same question I know this is something you you want to mention. Um, Hi Patricia if the parents sign over the farm to a son or a daughter are they exempt from the fair deal scheme?
7: Okay, we would say like people would need to think carefully about this. Okay, um, it's it's really the timing of when that would happen. So, if because um, if the if the assets you transfer are within five in in within the five years before the date of your first application, okay, are 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 transferred on or after the date of the first application, in. It's treated as if you still had it. You're seen as having deprived yourself of an asset. Okay, mm. so so we really would you'd want to think carefully about that. So so you could someone could if it's, if it is within five years, the person could find themselves without the asset and being treated and at the same time being charged as if they still had it. So I suppose that's really you need to that's think long problem. and hard, you need to think on hard, that hard one. about that. So if if you're transferring it within five years of applying for the nursing home support scheme you'll be treat you'll be seniors uh, having deprived yourself of an asset okay and now that's the same if someone you know we talked about the non-contributory state pension earlier it's the same thing with that you know they will go back five years and if you've given away money or given away property and it's seen as you were doing it so that you could you know you could um
3: get around the system get around the
7: system <laughs> You're you're your as if you still have it you know so you don't have you you're the worst of, <laughs> worst yeah, of supposed yeah, words really to be you don't have the asset and you're being treated as if you do now again i again um, th- those mm, these are the kind of things that probably the change in legislation will address a bit but but let's just beware of that one. Yeah, five and, year, and we're waiting five year for the,
3: the legislation. John is working in the public service, has been for 42 full years, unbroken service. Uh, he's now aged uh, 61. He's planning to retire in the coming months. He's obviously taking early retirement from the public sector. How will that affect his state pension?
7: Well, you see, it depends on. I suppose um, again, we'd, I would really urge John to contact us. But I suppose generally it would depend what contribution you're paying. If you're to, to, to benefit from a state uh, pension, you need to be paying either Class A con- contributions or S, or, or there's a few other. But A and a, a is for employees, and S is self-employed. Now there are some other more minor ones as well, but A or S, most people pay one or the other. S if you're self-employed, A if you're an employee. So if you have enough of those contributions, you, you could qualify. At the moment, there's two ways of looking at it. If you have 40 years of continuous um, contributions paid, you can qualify for the maximum state pension but if he you said he's in the public service so yeah. if he's the public service pay a modified rate which doesn't qualify for you if normally used to be a d a d contribution yeah. a d contribution doesn't co- count towards your pension so again i'm guessing what he what, what john is on so i would really say john contact us and we could be more precise and, and
3: also at 61 you still have to wait until you're 66 oh you, you still can, you have to wait until 66 yeah,
7: there's, no, there's no yeah. uh, there's no early there's no getting your the earliest you can get your estate pension is at
3: 66 okay alright yeah. listen that was a mine of information you've covered a lot and there's a lot of detail uh, in it and, and I can see one of our listeners who we've suggested ringing you is back on saying thank you to Anne and to tell Anne and her team I will be in contact uh, the numbers where people can contact for more information
7: Yes, yeah, so I suppose the the key thing is, yeah, come in, and as I really stress, talk to us because everyone's situation is different, and because it's it's, and we are offering a confidential service, so you know um, we do need to kind of delve a bit into someone's to give them a, a, pro, a full answer. But yes, absolutely, ring us. Um, the bantry number is zero seven six one zero seven eight three nine zero or the Mallow office is zero seven six one zero seven eight zero zero zero. So um, please ring us. Our contact. or go on to our website citizensinformation.ie and you'll get all the details for the all the the local offices. And as we said the at the
3: outset, you can deal over the phone. But if the needs to if they if they need to see you in person, a face to face appointment, they can make an
7: appointment for you. Yeah, okay. yeah, but the, yeah, that's absolutely. But ring okay. us first, please. okay. Yeah. all right, Anne. Thank
3: you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks for joining us, Anna Donovan, Development Manager with South Munster Citizens Information Centre.
2: The C103 Cork Diary
3: With the new Explore Cork app A
0: Cork County Council initiative Featuring over 850 places to see And
3: things to do Adam Collins and Alan Kremen are taking part in the challenge of Seven Peaks in a Week. They are starting next Monday, September the 11th, or next Saturday, sorry, September the 11th. And they're doing it for the West Cork Rapid Response and Pieta to donate. You go to GoFundMe and follow their social media, which is at Seven Peaks in a Week. And Drumahan Classic and Vintage Run will take place next Sunday, the 12th of September. The entry is 10 euro per car and registration in Drumahan Community Centre and in Ascara Community Centre are looking for people to help keep the centre open. They are pleased donate to cover the running costs either through their GoFundMe page, which is at innescour.org, or you can drop your donation into the office letterbox. Our details of their bank account are available on our website, c103.ie. Court
2: today on C103.
0: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. c-m-i-g dot i-e.
3: And thank you to people Lots of commentary and texts coming in uh, today. Our apologies sir, that we didn't get to them all. And there was a lot of questions in front of John from Citizens Information. A lot of them are very detailed and personal. You really need to get on to Citizens Information. Confidential service, they'll go through everything with you and they will point you in the right, right direction. The volunteers that work there are just incredible and they are a mine of information. Now, we were speaking with Tricia Lewis in the last hour about body image and about weight loss and her own weight loss journey. A listener says, Patricia, only at the start of this year did I broach the subject of weight to my now married son thank God he took it on board in a good way and he's taken a good turn in his life walking etc and watching what he's eating today his child and his wife all look wonderful and his extra weight is gone he looks super and I'm hoping he'll be fit and healthy to play ball with his children etc thank God and it can be a difficult difficult thing to bring up with somebody and to have to say the right things I mean that's the One thing I think Trish was saying as well, and you would never mention the word uh, diet, particularly if you're dealing with children uh, who may have put on some weight, particularly over the lockdown. Okay, some other questions coming into us. Still getting in thoughts and comments on Leo Varadkar. Here's a good one. On Leo Varadkar attending that, the uh, Mighty Hoopla, the uh, music festival that was on in London on Saturday, was a one day Music Festival. Hi, Patricia. In all fairness, this Leo debacle is the social media juggernaut going further into the cesspit abyss. And that's such a way I was on. Can I just stop down there before I read the rest of that text? When I was on Twitter at the weekend, seeing some of the venom that was being aimed at Leo Vradkar, I I said, that's exactly what I said. It can be a cesspit abyss. Twitter can be fantastic but it can equally be a cesspit as indeed can a lot of the other social media but I think Twitter of all of them for some reason I don't know what it is anyway back to this text why can't Leo or any other Irish person who attended that festival go and I know another person who did attend as it happens it was my brother why didn't anyone take a picture of my brother and ridicule him? Public life is one thing but when your personal life is invaded in this nature there has to be some retribution as to who invades this privacy and publish it with no permission and for me and only other thought in mind when doing so is for the purpose of ridiculing the person and trying to tarnish someone's reputation. He's Leo is living a personal life in a way he sees fit. People need to take a step back here and do something productive, Other than fueling what is a social media cesspit. I think that is very well uh, put. Well done. And actually we've closed off our Insta poll. We put up an Insta poll earlier asking the Thonata, did he do right or wrong by travelling to the UK to attend the concert? 47% of people thought he was wrong to go, but 53% uh, thought he did absolutely nothing wrong by attending that concert concert in that festival on his free time. Bear that in mind. On electric meters we ended up talking about how to reduce your electricity costs and we ended up touching on smart meters and I got a flurry of commentary in after that including from people saying do you have to switch over you know if you're getting the letter I've had a letter now recently to say I think in the next month my meter switches over to a smart meter and I'm looking forward to it I have to say I've looked into smart meters I think they're fantastic things so I am looking forward to it even though I'll miss the lovely gentleman who comes to my house maybe three four times a year to read my meter he'll be, he'll be gone unfortunately but anyway the smart meters are moving in somebody wants to know do you by law do you, do you have to accept a smart Meter. And I've checked it. You don't. Smart meters. Um, if you don't want to have a, sm- a meter upgraded to a smart meter, you have the legal right to refuse one. To opt out of a smart meter, you're going to have to contact the ESB networks to let them know and you'll need to provide them with your MPRN number, which is the number that's on your electricity bill. I would wait until you get the letter in to say you're getting one and then you can con- contact them. But then other people... Are on prepaid power. For example, a man in Mallow says, "I'm on prepaid power and I'm staying. No bother with them. I'm happy out." Morning, Patricia. Going on the electric smart meters. Do you have to change, or is it a personal choice? The reason I'm asking is, what about people who pay as you go? I have my electricity under control. Don't want to change to smart meters. Thanking you, said Stephen. There's an advantage, can I say, to anyone who's on to prepaid customers. They say there are particular advantages for prepaid customers to switch over. For example, your energy supplier will be able to offer new and more flexible ways of topping up the meter, which means you don't have to visit a shop. You can actually see your balance in real time. So you'll never knowingly run out of uh, credit. And they'll also be able to set your, your meter to automatically top up. So you'll never be left uh, without, without power. So they say there's actually a lot of benefits to the smart meter for prepaid customers if prepay customers want to look in into it, but nobody can force you to change to a smart meter if you don't want to uh, move. A lot of questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming, please. 1850-333-103. And a Mill Street listener says, Patricia, could you ask your listeners, please, where can I purchase the fitting for a Sacred Heart lamp? Or are they even still available? The old Sacred Heart lamp and the fitting on the wall. I mean, I would assume an electrical shop would have them. This system in the Mill Street area. Does anybody, has anybody recently purchased the fitting for a Sacred Heart lamp? Are they still available? Let us know please. You can ring John Paul, you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Let's take a break and we're back with Annalise Driscoll answering your nutritional questions.
2: Court Today on C103
0: With Sean Cusack Kins. Cons-
8: when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
5: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
8: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
2: This is the Court Today replay on C103. Annelise Dressel of the
3: HealthHubstore.com at the Health Hub Times Square in Imbalancolic joining me this afternoon. Good afternoon to Lise. Good afternoon, Patricia. Lots of questions coming in. Firstly, a listener in saying a question for Annalise, please. Any tips for psoriasis? The skin disorder psoriasis? Yeah, it could
8: psoriasis is um, actually an autoimmune skin condition, Patricia. So it's not just about treating the skin when you're looking at psoriasis you also need to work on the immune system so what's happening is that for some reason the immune system has gotten a little bit confused and it's causing the cells of the skin to grow and divide more rapidly than usual so psoriasis is usually they kind of get these formation of scaly plaques on the skin and in my experience a lot of people who suffer from psoriasis suffer from IBS so often the inflammation is um, driving the immune system from the gut area So a big thing is to try and get the gut right and to look at foods that could be causing intolerances. Um, So that would be the first thing I'd recommend. But then in terms of just pure skin support, there's a couple of things that can be very useful. The first thing I would recommend is a fish oil. Uh, It's lovely for skin. Anything skin condition-wise, even eczema, is very good. It's also great for acne. Um, It's also brilliant, actually, just for having nice skin and preventing ageing. So go for a good quality one that has a lot of EPA and DHA in there. Um, so a fish oil taken regularly. And then there is a cream and a supplement that you can take by a company called Viridian. And it's called Oregon, R-E-G-O-N, Oregon Grape Root Balm. So it's the balm that's made from the the grape root tree. Um, and you can also take it in a supplement form. Actually, I've taken this before, Patricia, and I felt it was great for eczema, but usually I recommend it for psoriasis. And generally what will happen is that you'll be able to get it under good control with both the supplement, taking it internally and putting the BAM on. And then when you have it on contro- under control, you can maintain it possibly just with the BAM. So that's called Viridian Grape Root BAM. Take the supplement and use the BAM.
3: Okay. Hi, Annalise. Uh, blueberries, bananas are honey in your porridge in the morning. Is that good for you?
8: Yes, definitely. Unless you're a diabetic in which case the the fruit might be a little bit high in sugar. But blueberries particularly are very good for the eyes and the heart. That lovely purple pigment is great. Always think purple and red. um, Yellow and orange are great for for the heart, for the vision. Um, So, brilliant to have the blueberries and bananas i think are great to give you a bit of energy and a natural form of sweetness as well but some people do find them hard to digest mm. so if you're one of those people leave it out and put in some other berries instead
3: question for annalise please can i take vitamin d and hrt while taking revive i've also been diagnosed with hemochromatosis. Which is the over thing of iron, isn't it?
8: Yes. Yeah, so hemochromatosis would be that you absorb too much iron from your diet. It's a genetic thing, and generally there is no need to treat it. Most people just give blood, and that manages it. But you might be careful; need to be careful about vitamin C rich foods, um, and definitely do not take a vitamin C supplement. But vitamin D is safe to take. It will be in the Revive Active. I think there's about a thousand IU's within Revive Active. So that is enough for most people, unless you know that your vitamin D levels are very low, 1,000 IUs, and everybody should start taking it now in October, coming up to the winter. So if you're unsure, now would be a, um, a good time to have your, your vitamin D checked because it'll be after the summer. Um, so you will know whether or not the summer has you know, m- helped you take vitamin D from the sun. If your vitamin D level is low now, You need to supplement all year round because some people genetically are not efficient at making vitamin D from sunlight. Also, vitamin D is made from cholesterol. So if your cholesterol is very low because you're on a statin drug it's possible you could be vitamin D deficient and i think every single man woman and child in ireland should be on vitamin D coming into the winter now with the new strains of we, covid
3: yeah and we just don't get enough uh, sunlight you're so you're so right uh, frank was on my wife suffers from a lot of kidney infections the doctor has now told her that she's immune to the antibiotics that he's giving her any natural remedies that anadise could suggest
8: Yes, and very successful natural remedies as well. So I have lots of customers who would have been on long-term antibiotics to manage kidney infections, and this works brilliantly. So it's a combination of different three different things. The first thing is it's actually a sugar, which sounds like it shouldn't be good for your kidneys, but it is. It's a sugar called D-mannose, M-A-N-N-O-S-E. And what this does is it prevents the bacteria that cause infection from making a little spike, the spike protein that they need to hook in between cells and to get in. So if they can't get into the cells and hook on, they slide off and, um, you know, get removed from the body. So D-manos is very good. Um, You need to take, if you're treating something with D-manos, like an infection or cystitis, you need 1,000 milligrams three times a day. Um, And if it's maintenance, once a day is plenty. Then I would mix that with cranberry extract and uh, probiotic. And I love the Quest um, Cranbiotics because it has both of them in there together. So that puts in the good bacteria. And once they can populate, they will naturally keep bad bacteria from being able to colonize. So it's good to have those. in And especially after long term antibiotics, they will have been destroyed. So the Cranbiotics is your cranberry extract and your probiotics. So take both of those three times a day for treating an infection and then for maintenance, both D-manos and Cranbiotics once a day.
3: Okay, Paddy's had a scan done and it showed mucus tightening in his paranasal sinuses. What would you recommend to clear blocked sinuses?
8: Okay, there's a couple of things. The first thing I suppose most people would um, be familiar with this is the neti pot rinse. It's like a kind of a, saline solution that you put into either a ceramic or a plastic bottle and you rinse it through the sinuses morning and evening and the salt is very good for kind of killing off any bacteria but it also is great to actually clear out mucus. The other thing you can do is you can do a steam inhalation with boiling water into a bowl and you could put in a few drops of oregano oil from the oregano plant and that is a fantastic natural decongestant but also very strong antifungal antibacterial um, so it's great for preventing infection. And then the last thing I'd recommend is the Dr. Claire mucotone, which is full of herbs that are great for drying up mucus and also supporting the immune system to prevent infection. So I would take that for prevention. I would take it one um, five mils once a day. And then if you're treating, if you feel a cold or anything coming on, Start on that. You know it, Patricia yourself. It's absolutely yeah. disgusting, but it's very effective. Yeah, yeah. So three uh, times brilliant. a day for treatment.
3: Okay, Mary. Her husband recently had his blood done, and it has shown high readings for uric acid. What could be done to reduce uric acid in the blood? Okay,
8: so two things, Patricia. One is to try and target it with diet, and the second is with cherry juice. So, uric acid is a natural byproduct of the breakdown of purines. If you go on to Google and do a, a search for purine-rich foods, P-U-R-I-N-E, it'll come up with a whole list of foods that are high in purines. So they will be mostly things like um, meat, fish, beer, certain vegetables as well. Um, offal is particularly high, like the heart and kidneys and liver. They will be particularly high. And what's wrong is that genetically you're just not very good at breaking it down, and it raises and elevates uric acid levels in the blood it used to be known as rich man's disease because you'd have got it from drinking wine and beer and meat and in the olden days only rich wealthy people could afford to do that daily the other thing then that's great for clearing your acid from the blood is um cherry juice so preventatively you need to take about a tablespoon of and it has to be the sour cherry juice in a pint of water and drink that every day and i have lots and lots of customers that are gout free as a result of that cherry juice so it works very well
3: Hi, uh, Patricia. My sister's stomach gets very sore and she can suffer from chronic flatulence. She has no appetite and when she does eat, she ends up feeling unwell. She has been taking a probiotic, but that doesn't seem to be helping. What would Annalise suggest she also tries?
8: There's lots of things that can go wrong with the stomach, Patricia. I nearly think the stomach kind of comes in three parts. So there's the bit from where you eat down into the stomach and then there's a small intestine where... You know, you do a lot of fat and protein and carbohydrate digestion. And then there's the large intestine where, you know, we get all the good bacteria and the final sort of remnants of digestion are going. So it could be going wrong any part in between. Now, probiotic is only going to work in the very last bit, the colon, by putting the good bacteria in. Whereas I, when I hear pain, if it's kind of a cramping pain, generally it could be as a result maybe of an ulcer, if it's a burning pain, or it could be as a result of improper digestion maybe with fats and proteins which would be more of a kind of, um, instead of burning, it would be more of a cramp, so you could try a digestive enzyme. That would help break down food a little bit more efficiently, especially if you get an awful lot of gurgling after eating, um, that can help as well. And then if it's more of a burning pain, it possibly could be ulcer or inflammation from acid. So then you need to be you need to maybe take something like slippery elm and zinc carnosin to manage against the acid. And then if none of those work, maybe look at the foods because a lot of the time, food intolerance will cause pain after eating. Uh, for example, eggs for me now, um, I'm very intolerant to eggs, so if I take if I have egg within the space of a couple of hours, I'm in trouble. So you could maybe start keeping a food diary and see can you tie it down to any particular type of
3: food. With me, weirdly enough, it's onions. And, and I love onions. Yeah,
8: and I love them as well, Patricia, and garlic. That's actually very common. Yeah. Onions, garlics and apples, which you would think would be very healthy, they're very high in a particular kind of fibre that can get fermented and cause a lot of kind of trapped wind and build-up and for a lot of people indigestion. So, again, you just have to just not have them in yeah. your cooking. Yeah,
3: I've discovered the green bit of the scallion can give you the same buzz and it doesn't have the same effect as the onion for anybody else who's looking for that tip. Is ibuprofen or glucosamine good for arthritis,
8: please? So the ibuprofen is what we call a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So it's a drug that's not a steroid drug that can help manage inflammation. And it is very good for immediate pain relief. But the problem with those is that in the long term, they're very, very damaging to the gut. So generally, people can only take them for a week. And even after that, a lot of people will end up in trouble. So, um, A natural anti-inflammatory approach is probably better for the long term and you'd be looking at things like Boswellia and the extract of turmeric curcumin are very effective natural anti-inflammatories. Ginger is great as well. Glucosamine is one of the building blocks for joints so that can work as well in terms of helping you to rebuild joint once inflammation is managed. But it does take time to work and the newer supplements tend to bypass glucosamine and just put the collagen Straight in, So the collagen is used immediately to build cartilage, and they tend to be much quicker in terms of the action. Uh, so the one that we, we get great feedback on, a couple of different ones. and um, The Salgar 7 was always a good one. Uh, that is one. The other one that we had, actually we couldn't get Salgar 7 for a long time with Brexit, so I found a supplement here by an Irish company called Gal Vitamins, and it's called UC2 cartilage. And that's a combination of cartilage and turmeric extract, and it's very, very effective and another one we get great feedback on as well is the Nutri-Advanced Curcudine 40, C-U-R-D-Y-N, 40. And again, that's a blend of natural anti inflammatory.
3: Okay, and a final one. Listeners suffering from constipation. I eat a high-fibre diet, I drink lots of water, but nothing is working.
8: Yeah, it's a difficult one, Patricia. If you get plenty exercise, if you haven't recently taken antibiotics and you've lots of fiber in your diet and drinking water, it's probably more likely a food intolerance. So you need to maybe think about getting a food intolerance test done. And actually, most people have IBS constipation as opposed to IBS diarrhea. Very, very In my experience, it's probably only about 20% actually have the IBS diarrhea and everyone else has the constipation issue. And it's mostly down to food intolerances. So the the main culprits, actually, are egg is always number one. Most people think gluten, but actually egg is the one that comes up most commonly. Pea is another common one. Um, Dairy is another common one. Wheat, stroke, gluten, not as common as most people would, would imagine, but certainly a lot of people can't tolerate white bread anyway, for sure, is constipating. So maybe have a look at those in your diet and cut those out. And if you feel that there's, there's no improvement, then it's definitely worth forking out the money and spending money on a good food okay. intolerant. Actually,
3: uh, when you mention IBS, I saw a programme on, it was on the BBC. It was one of the girls who's in the Strictly Come Dancing, one of the professional dancers, and she had... Uh, Video footage of her over the course of nearly a year of her suffering from IBS. It was shocking to the extreme to see how unwell this girl got. She ended up in hospital and everything. It was just unreal to see it. Anyway, okay, we leave it there. Thank you for that, Annalise, and we'll chat you again next week that's great thank and as this. always Annalise puts up everything that she mentioned today on her website healthhubstore.com under as heard on the radio she'll be doing that this afternoon and John Paul will also put up our piece today with Annalise He puts it up as a separate podcast that's later on in the afternoon and thank you to somebody who said that Buckley Brothers Shop in Mallow sell those connections for the Sacred Heart Lamp to the listener in Mill Street who was, part, who was looking to buy one Buckley's Brothers in, on Main Street in Mallow okay that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We're back with you tomorrow morning at ten. And I'm Trish Mr. Good afternoon.
2: Court today on C103
0: with Sean Cusack. Insurances Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie.